So, uh, so Jonathan Craig, you know, I brought you both in here to answer for me a question that I think has a lot of significance this time of year. You know, I was thinking about Halloween and how, unlike most holidays, it really doesn't necessarily have like an overall feeling of celebration to it, right? I mean, with like Independence Day, you're celebrating, you know, the U.S. birthday basically, and with Christmas, you're celebrating the birthday of Jesus if you're religious, and if you're not, there's still an element of celebration in the air, kind of thing. But uh, while many people celebrate Halloween, the holiday itself doesn't really focus around that emotion of celebration as much as it does fear. So in recognition of a holiday that I really love, uh, I asked integrators a very serious question about times when they felt afraid on the job site. Uh, and the results really made my jaw drop at multiple points. I mean, they're really interesting stories to, to hear from them, but uh, I'll read a few of those uh, later. But first I wanted to be, you know, I was just kind of curious about interesting times on your own job sites. Mind you, you're not installers, but, you know, times in your uh, professional careers where you've been somewhat afraid on the job. <laughs> oh, sure. Uh, okay, so this was five years ago when I first started on Tech Decisions here at, uh, well, what's now Emerald Expositions, what was EH Oh, so um, this is, oh, you're, you're being oh, brave. You're from, going for this, this oh, job. Oh, it's, it's from this job. Yeah, it's from this <laughs> job. Um, maybe six months into working, uh, I was going to ISE, which a lot of people in our audience will know what it is, Integrated Systems Europe. And it was in Amsterdam at the time. It was my first time ever going overseas. It was my first time ever leaving the United States. Really? That uh, was your first time? Going? Yeah, my first time ever leaving the United States. And it was and to Amsterdam. It was to Amsterdam. <laughs> and and this is this is, like I said, it's six months into the job. Um, so I had a layover in Ireland. I get to Amsterdam. Um, I go to a hotel and at the time we had a sister publication in the UK that was also at the show. They had a booth at the show and I let them book my hotel for me. (laughs) So I show up at the hotel and, um, there's like some sort of leaks or something. They didn't really explain it to me. All they told me it's, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. They told me that I can come back at 5 p.m. And it's 10 a.m. in Amsterdam where I am. And you just and got I, there. I, I just said, I just, I had just arrived. Um, I had left, I had left, I think, late at night and like got, kind of gone overnight with the layover and everything. Exhausted. And um, I said, so I just, and I was like, okay. I just left my bags there. And I got out and I just started walking because I didn't want to sit there. It wasn't a very nice hotel. And it's not in the city at all. It was a good 20-minute cab ride, 25-minute cab ride to the Rye where where Integrated Systems Europe is. I couldn't tell you where it, where this hotel was to this day. But anyway, I just start walking. I follow like the, the path of the water because I figure, I don't know, it'll lead me to something eventually. <laughs> and it did. It eventually you know that the city is surrounded by canals. Exactly. <laughs> so, so it was everywhere. Uh, exa- it led me everywhere. Well, uh, luckily enough, it led me to some sort of university or something. I, I, I asked this woman who's standing on the sidewalk, I say, which way to like downtown Amsterdam, like somewhere that I want to actually see. And uh, she's like, oh, it's down this way. Um, I was like, where are you heading? And she said, Germany. I said, Germany? You're heading to Germany? And she's just standing there. She's like, yeah, I'm hitchhiking. I'm like, okay, where am I? So I'm like, okay, well, good luck with getting to Germany. I'm going to go this way. Even though you told me to go this way, I probably shouldn't. But head down there, have a good day and everything. This isn't the scary part. I, I finally get to downtown Amsterdam. I check out some of the different shops and stuff, the like Rembrandt area I yeah, ended cool. up at somehow. So it wasn't bad. But 
by the time I got back, or by the time it was like getting towards five o'clock, I took the buses back to the hotel. And at this point, I only know the street name for the hotel. And if anyone's been to Amsterdam, they're they're fifteen letters a piece. Every street name, and it's crazy. They're Vander wicked Rish. long. Yeah, like no vowels. Um, <laughs> or so or yeah, row. exactly. So I get off the bus, can't find my street. And I'm walking around and popping in and out of shops where at, in this area of Amsterdam, which, again, if you've been to Amsterdam, everybody speaks English. Nobody spoke any English in this area. So I'm just saying the street name to, to everybody in different shops. 90% of them don't know what I'm trying to communicate. I finally, and at this point, I am freaking out. This is the scary part of the job. I'm like, I'm never going to get back to this hotel. <laughs> and finally, I go into one shop. A woman recognizes the street name and just points down the street. And I'm like, okay, I'll just keep walking until finally I did find the street. I found the street, it went a, into the it hotel. It was a wonder you were able to recognize it. It was, it was a wonder I was able to recognize it. At this point, I'm checking the street names. It's getting cold out. Um, it's like kind of a little bit, not rainy weather, but it's overcast. And it's getting darker because it's like after 5 o'clock. Um, get back into the hotel and they've got my room. Everything's good. And I, this isn't necessarily the scary part, but the way this story ends is as I was going to my hotel room, the leak or whatever it was, there were just buckets lined up every maybe six feet along the entire hallway with water dripping into them. And, and I had to like walk in between them to get to my hotel room. And what an inconvenience. Exactly. So, so that was my, the scariest story. I thought I was going to never find my hotel, be lost to Amsterdam forever. You guys would never hear from me. And again, this is my, I'm by myself my first time outside of the United States. That was my scariest story on this job, I should say. Because, you know, buckets in hallways is so much worse than getting like caught in the Hague. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, you walk down that creepy hallway in Amsterdam with buckets just getting, like, just with water dripping into it. Like, I thought I was definitely <laughs> going to get kidnapped or murdered or something. You've seen the, the film Hostel. You know. Yeah, understand. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it only ends one way. And as a nice little caveat on top of it, um, my computer got hacked while I was at the oh. hotel. Yeah. <laughs> You're so holding out on us. computer, yeah. There used to be a guy you guys will remember, or Craig will remember, Mike, back in the day. And he was just like, why would you ever open your computer at a hotel in Amsterdam? And I was like, I didn't. I was like, I had to work, Mike. What do you want me to do? And he's like, Well, I need to take it for the weekend. So he cleaned it up, thankfully. But yeah, that was a wild, wild day. How about he's, you, Craig? Was it? A, is your story uh, Amsterdam based or not? Um, no. Although I had the same problem with reading signs and all that stuff yeah. in, in Amsterdam. Trust me, that was not a a place that I I functioned particularly well in. However. My, I've, I have a couple. One is slightly less serious than the other. I don't know if you kids remember, but there used to be these things called newspapers. Oh, and what's that? It, it used to be that there were a few editions a day of the newspaper, and if you didn't make, if your story didn't make it into that edition of the newspaper, you maybe had to wait until the next day to put your story out. And there the were, next day. The next day. It, it's pretty spooky. I know. <laughs> so there would there was more than once that, that I would have a story that I was excited about. I was I knew I had the the only version of it, but I had to wait, you know, almost twenty four hours for it to, to go out or for it to go into the newspaper. And all that time you're thinking, shoot, what if somebody else gets it before me or what if they beat me to it or something like that? Obviously that's no longer a problem here with 
with the in the age of the internet, you know, as soon as you have a story, you can post it right on on your website and things like that. So, so that's that was a little bit of a scary thing early in my career. Um, I do remember a slightly more serious thing on September 11th, 2001. Oh yeah, okay, yep. fair so, enough. <laughs> so I was working for a local daily newspaper, and we were all charged with going out and getting local reaction from people. And of course, I went to you know local coffee shops and you know you know gathering centers and stuff like that. Of course, um, most of the people that I talked to were saying you know they couldn't believe what had happened, all this other stuff. I walked up to one lady in particular. She says to me, "It's about time this happened." Oh, yep. And I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god." Okay. Well, I most okay, people. I'm afraid. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. Hey, so. why is your vest looking so thick? Yeah. Yeah. So oh was, my gosh. That was a little freak. And yeah. she. She walked up to me like it was, uh, you know, most of the other people I was walking up to them and, you know, asking their names, what they thought about it, you know, and all that stuff. But she made a point to walk because she saw me walking with a notebook. Oh, no. She walked up to me and she said, I just want you to write down. It's about time this happened. Oh, and she told God. me her name and everything like that. Oh. I, don't, I don't remember if it made it into my story, but that freaked me out a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Yeah, so, seriously. So, anyways. Well, at least she had the, the wherewithal to provide a name, too, huh? Yep. Oh, yeah. She I wish said, it wasn't going said, anonymous She there. said, I want my name right yep. next to that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. So, I, I don't know if that was her real name, but she, she was more than happy to tell me that it was about time that oh, this had happened. Oh, so, so, that was a little weird. My, uh, I think my story of choice kind of relates to your first one there, Craig, um, insofar as I also used to work at a more traditional journalistic kind of job where I was in a radio station and uh, every hour we'd have different newscasts, you know, at the top of the hour and this you know, broadcast is brought to you by, et cetera, et cetera. And then you go into the day's local news and uh, I had accidentally re-recorded over a already recorded newscast, which basically means when the top of the hour hits and that little space for the newscast, which was supposed to be recorded a few minutes ahead of time, was supposed to play, instead, all that played was nothing. <laughs> nothing, just because I accidentally recorded blank air over it. Um, and I think that uh, seeing my then-manager, who was admittedly known for being a little angry. Uh, the expression on his face, I think, was enough fear for my <laughs> professional career in total. Well, Zach, I think this is your uh, premiere on the podcast here since you started just recently. You only started at CI just like a few weeks ago now. Uh, so in honor of Halloween, I wanted to play a little game with you, and I hope you're prepared. Uh, I asked integrators on a Facebook group to reveal to me some stories of when they genuinely felt some kind of fear on the job site. And uh, some of these responses were pretty buck wild, I have to admit. So I wanted to play a little game with you, see if you could uh, suss out the following three stories and see which one is the real one that was actually submitted to us. Uh, real, I guess, in this con in this uh, context is a really relative term, but uh, who knows how much these people were embellishing their stories, but each of them were narrated by one of our favorite people in the world here in the AV world, uh, Alan Braun of Braun Consulting. So do you think you can handle this? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, Zach. Do you want to
was a bad news and good news kind of day. Some years ago, I was a squint engineer for a local concert venue. We were halfway through the show when the ground beneath my feet started to shake and shimmy, and it was not the act on the stage. It was an earthquake and it knocked down a large metal beam. That beam shot past my head and landed about five inches from the tip of my foot. I literally fainted from the shock. I suddenly awoke to the band trying to get the audience to stick around, but most had fled the scene immediately after they saw the beam fall. The bad news was the earthquake, but the good news was that I didn't faint in their path and I wasn't trampled when the people were rushing out of the venue. My tale is about a residential installation project in an old house down in the deep south not far from the Louisiana Gulf Coast. The customer was in another room, so I began looking for access to the attic. I opened a closet door to see if it was there. I looked around, but as my eyes acclimated to the low light, I found what could only be called a voodoo black magic shrine. After the shock had settled a bit, the customer found me. He insisted that we sit and pray together so the dolls didn't come to hurt me. Back in the day, I worked in an old, decrepit theater up in the attic where all the relics of past performances had been stored. The atmosphere was dank and dusty, with poor lighting to brighten up the space or my mood for that matter. None too soon it was lunchtime and so I leapt at the chance to go out and get some lunch and fresh air. I left my tools next to the electric access control panel that I was working on. When I came back, the tool bag was not around. It had mysteriously moved to the opposite end of the attic, but to a spot where there was no floor left to walk on. We had to lay plywood down to even reach it and get my tool bag back. No floor, no footprints, no kidding. want to take a moment now to thank Alan Braun once again for uh, putting his <laughs> yeah. own vocal magic into those stories. He did a fantastic job. Uh, Zach, do you think you know which one was actually submitted to us and which ones we kind of fabricated on our own? The earthquake one has got to be real, I'm assuming. Okay, so just to recap for, mm-hmm. for the audience, we have a story about a sound technician passing out after a beam nearly fell on him, the, uh, the voodoo shrine, and then the tools that move themselves. Which one right. do you think is real? Only one of them is real? Mm-hmm. The first one. The first one? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. That's the only realistic one out of all of them. Well, so I just wanted to... Uh, <laughs> so you think you think you know what's obvious. And, yep. Uh, it, this does remind me, though, of... Uh, and I got this idea partially from this old TV show that I think was like 2000... Maybe just 2000, actually. Uh, and it was called Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction. Uh, just for, for context, the show was hosted by uh, Jonathan Frakes or Frakes. I think he was in Star Trek. Um, it was a show where he was the narrator and he'd like present these different scenarios of things that unexplained mystery, mystery kind of stories. And only one of them was something that actually pur- was purported to have happened, uh, like a, based on a fairly true story. And then the rest of them were all fakes. And then you'd wait till the end of the episode to reveal which one the fake was. But actually, I'm sorry to say, 
that we kind of punked you a little bit here because no. the one that was actually submitted to us was the voodoo story. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm serious. That's the most ridiculous one out of all of them. I definitely think there oh was some God. embellishment there, but no, basically what was submitted to us was that, like like the person said, um, apparently he was in you know in the deep south in a in a place where like. These types of things, right. not not they're not common. By the way, there's plenty of misunderstanding surrounding the voodoo tradition. But like, suffice it to say, he ended up in this person's house who uh, was very nervous that he had found something behind the wall. And apparently, they did make him pray for a few minutes before he continued with his work. <laughs> uh, I mean, the earthquake one is an actual thing that happens. It's it's <laughs> it's it's. it's well documented. Um, <laughs> There's a scale and everything. Is there proof that uh, voodoo magic works? No, there's, there's <laughs> not. Absolutely not. And there's, you know, little to no proof that some specter or ghost moved this guy's tool bag. <laughs> so there's, you know, I use the uh, process of elimination here. I don't know. You and, never uh, know what could happen. Uh, I guess not. I, I completely don't believe in any of that kind of thing either, but uh, I guess it... It goes to show that it isn't really what we believe. It's what that person who made that guy pray for five minutes after finding something, uh, you know, in the wall. Sure, fair enough. Right, right. But thank you for having this exercise with me. I hope this doesn't come off as like a huge waste of time. (laughs) Not at all. Happy Halloween. (laughs) 